Joshua chapter 1. We begin this morning a series of messages that uh, I'm simply entitled Lessons on Spiritual Warfare as we make our way through the book of Joshua over the course of this summer. Uh, in the evening we'll continue our series on uh, those uh, from the Bible uh, whose names begin with the letter P. Tonight we deal with a place called Peniel and uh, God's great work in the life of Jacob as we uh, celebrate Nicole's profession of faith this evening. There is no doubt, I would hope, in each one of our minds over the course of particularly this past year that we are involved in some pretty deep, important, very consequential spiritual battles in this world. And it's important that we learn how to fight that battle. For fighting the battle the wrong way will not be God-honoring or God-glorifying. It will indeed instead not even be blessed by the Lord. The Lord only the way God desires them to be fought. And so that's why we're going to go through the book of Joshua. There's probably no book that deals more with battles and fighting than we find here in the book of Joshua. And I want to commend, as I begin as well, our friends over at the Coopersville Christian Reformed Church, those that are part of Christian Reformed Church of Classis Zealand. They are engaging in the battle within the denomination of which they are present. In particular, they're dealing with the battle of a woman who is an ordained deacon who uh, has been married to her lesbian partner. And nothing's being done. It's being permitted. It's being allowed. Coopersville, CRC, along with Classes Zealand, are taking up the battle. I was informed of that this week, and I told them that uh, that needed to be acknowledged, and that we will be praying for them in that battle, because it will not be easy. It will be a difficult battle, and we pray that they too will conduct it in the way that God has included in the word, as I'm quite assured they will. And so uh, do that. Be in prayer for them. And uh, let me do that publicly this morning as well. Father, this is indeed a world filled with great evil. All around us, the paganism of this day, the immorality of the day, the disregard for your word, the disregard for your laws, the disregard of Jesus Christ, the distortion of that which is truth. And Father, throughout our nation, there are individual churches, there are groups of churches, Lord, that are standing up and proclaiming that gospel truth, your truth, your word. We pray, Father, that we here at Little Farms might be among that portion that stand and are willing to engage in the spiritual battles of the day and age in which we find ourselves. And we're thankful for those uh, over at 
a neighboring church in Coopersville, Lord, who are fighting the battle in their own denomination. We pray for your blessings upon that fight, for your encouragement in that, and that, Lord, uh, in this they will see clearly your hand moving and at work. In Christ's name and for Christ's glory we pray, and God's people say, Amen. Joshua chapter 1, lesson number 1. Know who your commander is. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. and Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's bow in prayer. Father, too often we hear nowadays how the Old Testament is no longer relevant. We don't need it anymore. And probably, the, well, definitely the opposite is very true. We probably need it more now than ever. Father, we thank you for these oncoming uh, services we're going to have this summer. And Pastor Bob will lead us through this book of Joshua. And we pr it's our prayer that uh, by the time we get to the end of the summer and, and We've gone through Joshua that we definitely know where our command, who our commander is and how, how to fight these spiritual battles. All this we ask in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Three points from what we have read and then an additional passage we'll read in a little later in the service. The first is this, the covenant. Secondly, the call. And thirdly, the commander. First of all, and... I'll be brief about this, but you can't read these verses, these first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1 without seeing the imprint of the covenant upon it. The, the whole thing is about covenant. And that's why the, the, the fact that we have baptism this morning fits in so well. Because that too... And that which we have seen and witnessed this morning is indeed part of the spiritual battle that we are involved in. Right? As, as we think about 
And, and it's still daunting there, right? Reverend Murphy's question. If it's up to us, if it's up to Little Farms, will there be Christianity in the next generation? Well, part of that battle, part of that fight, part of making Christianity known, we witnessed this morning. These two young couples stood before us, made vows. We will pass on the truth of Jesus Christ to the next generation. We promise, we obligate. You as the congregation were there as witnesses who have now been summoned by the Lord to say, yes, and we'll help you, we will encourage you, and by our example, we will, we will show to Letty, we will show to Jordan the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The battle begins in our homes with the raising and training of our own children under the responsibilities of the covenant. I want you to note three things as to how the covenant shows up in this passage. The Lord is the Lord. It's L-O-R-D, all in caps. Our, our English Bibles use that to designate God's covenant name. Yahweh, Jehovah, the great I am. It is the name God always uses to call himself when he is dealing with his people in a covenant relationship. God is coming to Joshua as his covenant Lord. In a covenant relationship, he is dealing with Israel as his covenant people. Even as God comes to you and I as our covenant God, as he comes to us as a church, as our covenant God. He is the Lord. Secondly, the covenant is involved in the fact that we have here the promise. Just as I promised to Moses, just as I promised, I promised. See, that's, that's part of the sum and substance of what the covenant is. If, if you want to just boil it down, okay, we, we write volumes about covenant and covenant theology. What it really comes down to is this, the promises of God and the responsibility of God's people. And that's what we have here in chapter 1. God is coming with all sorts of promises. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to be with you. Wherever you're the sole of your foot steps, that's going to be yours. I'm going to drive out the nations before you. I am your Lord. I am your covenant Lord. And I promise this is what I will do. Just as we heard God's promise this morning. I promise I'll wash sin away through the blood of Jesus Christ. Just like this, water washes away dirt from the body. I promise to do so. But you have a responsibility. You have the responsibility of faith. Colette has the responsibility of faith. Jordan has the responsibility of faith. It's not an automatic because some pastor did it. There's that responsibility that comes with covenant. Third, there is the word law. The law. The law. You have to obey the law. You have to do all that the book of the law, verse 8, 
You can't depart from one way or another. That phrase, the book of the law, once again, is a term used throughout the Old Testament to talk about that covenant relationship that was established with Israel at Mount Sinai as God came and gave them the law. And they, the people, said, we will do all that you have commanded to us. We know how pitiful they did. We know how horrible they did. Just as we know our own hearts, we know our own minds, we know our own souls, and how pitiful of a job we do it too. That's why rather than replacing the covenant, a new covenant in Jesus Christ, same covenant, just not in law, but now in the blood of Christ, not in the not in the blood of bulls and goats, but in the blood of the Lamb of God has been established. But it's the same covenant of grace because God said it was going to be an everlasting covenant. This is covenant theology. The battle, the spiritual battles that we are to engage in can only be engaged in if we understand the covenant relationship that we are in in the Lord. Secondly, listen to the call. Joshua is not Moses. You know, think about this. As, as the passage opens, right, we're, we're introduced to, well, Moses died. And Joshua, the son of Nun, Nun, not N-O-N-E, but N-U-N, but there might be somewhat of a play on words there as well. Meaning in the sense that Joshua really has no real claim to fame. He's Moses' assistant. Imagine Moses has just died, and now God comes to you and says, ah, you're in charge. Now maybe for some of you, you would like that if, if you were, for example, the assistant to the president of, let's say, Chevrolet and the... The guy uh, who was president dies and the board comes to you and says, well, you're the secretary, we're going to let you, you have to take over now. You might rejoice and say, oh, finally we're going to get this thing organized. But I would imagine that most of you would be shaking in your boots going, hey, wait, 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 that's not what I do. Right? Joshua was Moses' assistant. He wasn't on the mountain with God. He wasn't the mediator. He wasn't the one performing miracles. He's just the assistant. He, he just helps Moses up and down the mountain. Yeah, Joshua, now you're going to lead. And how does God come to him? He knows him, doesn't he? He knows Joshua's heart. He knows where Joshua is. Notice he doesn't come to Joshua and say, now keep it up. You're a really strong guy, just keep it up. You're really courageous, now keep it up. No, here comes the command. Joshua, I know you aren't, but be strong. Joshua, I know you aren't, but be courageous. See, God doesn't have to give the command if it's already present. It's because of Joshua's fear. That God comes to him with this call. And it's repeated several times in the text, isn't it? 
in the passage I read. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Verses 6, verse 7, verse 9. To be strong, to be or to grow firm, to strengthen, to be encouraged. Courageous, to be bold, to be alert, to be steadfastly minded, to be fixed and solid. Be strong, be courageous. In his commentary on this passage, McLaren writes, Christianity has altered the perspective of human virtues. It has thrown the gentler ones into prominence, altogether unknown before, and has dimmed the brilliance of the old heroic type of character. But it has not struck those virtues out of its list. While the perspective is altered, there is as much need in the lowliest Christian life for the loftiest heroism as ever there was. Listen to that again. Right? The day and age in which we live, there is as much need in the lowliest Christian life for the loftiest heroism as ever there was. For it is no mere metaphor, but in grim earnest, all Christian progress is conflict. And we have to fight, not only with the evils that are within, but if you would be true to the obligations of our profession and loyal to the commands of our master, we have to take our part in the great campaign which he has inaugurated and is ever carrying on against every abuse and oppression, iniquity and sin that grinds down the world and makes our brethren miserable. So then in these words we have directions in regards to a side of the Christian character, indispensable today as ever, and the lack of which cannot be made up for by any amount of sweet, and contemplative graces. That's what we've done, haven't we? We take some qualities of, that the Bible speaks about and we've elevated them. And things like strength and courage, fortitude. Well, yeah, it's got to be down here a ways. McLaren died May 5, 1910. 1910. McLaren is looking at the church world going, we're going to be in trouble, folks. We're going to be in trouble because we're elevating the, these, some of these graces and we're diminishing others. And he's looking at his world in 1910 and he's saying, we need strong believers. We need courageous believers for the fight that is before us. We are now 111 years since his death. How much his words are needed to be reminded to us today. We need in this battle, in these spiritual conflicts, we need to be strong and we need to be courageous. 
more than ever before. But there is one other thing that the call included. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Yes, be strong, be courageous, but also be obedient. Perhaps one of the reasons why the church of Jesus Christ today seems to be so inept is because we don't have obedient people. We've turned from the right and to the left. In our own personal lives, our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, how strong, how bold are we, how courageous are we, how faithful are we to following the word of the Lord. The immorality of the day, how deep into it are we? Are our toes touching it? Is it knee deep, waist deep? Are we underwater? In the thoughts of, of what is happening out there in the world, how, how much do those thoughts and opinions of the world have become our thoughts and opinions? rather than being guided by the truths of God's word. And that's whether as individuals or whether as churches. Be obedient. Yes, you need to be strong. Yes, you need to be courageous. But you also need to be obedient. I was listening to a, a radio broadcast earlier this week, and the guy on the radio was, was bemoaning the fact that in his own local community, he is struggling to find people to stand up to run for various political offices. You know what he discovered? There's too many skeletons in the closet. Nobody wants to be exposed. Nobody wants their history to be out there for the world to see. So we have all sorts of people who would probably be potential good candidates. They might be strong and courageous, but they haven't been obedient, and therefore, they are afraid. Oh, how we need to raise and train a generation. A generation. And we have that opportunity here at Little Farms. Look at the children God has blessed us with in the last five, seven years. We have that opportunity to raise and to train godly young women, godly young men to be strong and courageous and obedient to the truths of God's word. Godly young families that we have been blessed with. But you know what godly young families need? They need godly middle-aged families. They need godly elderly people to set the example of what godliness means. 
And that doesn't mean float your boat this afternoon and not show up for worship. That doesn't mean entertain yourself to death and you don't have time for personal devotions. It doesn't mean spend every waking moment you can on that cell phone device instead of engaging in the bringing of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to those who are in need. Yes, we need to be strong. Yes, we need to be courageous. But we also need to be obedient in every area of our life. Be careful to do. Be that the, in the Old Testament, it's the idea of being a doorkeeper. Keep the door to sin closed. Right? Remember that, that verse, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness? See, the doorkeeper is the one who was the one responsible for keeping sin out of the house of the Lord. What's the house of the Lord now? You and I. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We have to become doorkeepers to keep sin out. We have to be watchmen. Yes, God has appointed your elders to be watchmen over your souls. But that doesn't take away the responsibility you have to be watchmen over your own heart. To keep us from sin, to keep us from pride, to keep us from arrogance, to keep us from our haughtiness and our superiority to keep us from lying to keep us from greed don't turn to the left or to the right that you may have good success wherever you go you want to you want to engage the spiritual battle then the commitment of this morning is this I will hear God's call. I will heed God's call. I will be strong. I will be courageous. And I commit myself to an obedience, a passion to serve God faithfully in all areas of my life. Turn over to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. Now I want you to note Joshua chapter 6 is the fall of Jericho. So we haven't really engaged the battle yet. We haven't really started the war. This is all, everything that, that we're going to do up to Joshua 6 is just getting ready, getting prepared. Any general will tell you, you better know what you're facing and you better be prepared before you engage. Joshua chapter 5, go down to verse 13. He's about ready. They're at Jericho. Verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place 
you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. See, you need to know who the commander is. The commander isn't you. The commander isn't Donald Trump. The commander is the one who is in charge of the Lord's army. That's the one that we take orders from. That's the one we listen to. The commander of the Lord's army. We're going to go and we're going to fight a spiritual battle. We better know who our commander is. We better listen well to that commander and we better be very careful about anybody else who's trying to lip sync what he's saying. We have to know him. I want you to note four things in regards to this very quickly. First of all, the appearance. The text tells us it's a man, right? A man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. A man. Can you imagine that? He's about ready to, to deal with Jericho, and all of a sudden, there before him is a soldier with the sword drawn, not in its sheath, not coming in peace, but one who appears to be coming to fight, one who is coming to battle. Secondly, note his response. First of all, he asked, are you for us or against us? <laughs> it's interesting because the answer really doesn't seem to fit, right? Are you for us or against us? Who are you? No. You're asking the wrong question, Joshua. The question is not, am I for you or against you? The question is, Joshua, who am I? I am the commander of the Lord's army. And look what Joshua does. We have to pay attention. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. Now in the book of Hosea, chapter 12, I think it's verse 4 or 5, Hosea, in reflecting upon this, okay, uh, speaks about the fact that, excuse me, wrong, that's tonight's message, okay, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation has two times in which he is in the presence of an angel and John does exactly what Joshua does here. And the angel says to him, don't do that. Don't worship me, worship God. Notice that doesn't happen here. So if this were an angel, we would expect to hear, don't do that. But then we have to ask the question, well, what kind of man deserves worship? Well, then we have to listen to the next clue. Take off your sandals. For where you're standing is holy ground. Who else heard those words? Moses, ah, ah, 
yeah, I know you don't think you're a Moses, but I'm going to give you the very same experience, Joshua. And when Moses was commanded to do that, why? Because there in that burning bush was, was the presence of God. No, it wasn't the presence of God. It was the presence of Yahweh. I am who I am. Your covenant, God. Here I am. I am with you. This is Jesus Christ making one of those Old Testament appearances for us again. This is Christ taking on that, that humanity for a moment, for a period of time. But who is he? This is the long lost aspect of who Jesus Christ is. He is the commander of the Lord's host. Of the army of the legions of heaven. I've come. I've come to lead. You remember back Joshua chapter 1? I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you, Joshua. Who said those words? Later. It's Jesus Christ. See, as you and I go and, and, and engage in the spiritual battles of this day and age, we need to know who our commander is. He's not some loser. He's not some wimp. He's not some e effeminate, long-haired Jew. He is the commander of the host of the Lord. And he goes forth with drawn sword. And whenever you and I go as his covenant people, he is present with us. Know who your commander is. Know the Lord Jesus Christ. Know him in your heart. Know him in your life. And listen. Listen to him. Because he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And all the power and all the authority that he has now. He says, you want to fight? Let's do it. Let's take out our sword. And let's go engage the enemy the truth, Christ's truth, Christ himself. Know your commander. Let's pray. Father, as Taylor and Shelley and Tim and Taylor seek to raise Colette and Jordan, these days and this climate and this atmosphere. Father, may they do so. Teaching both. To be strong, to be courageous, to be obedient. To the Lord, the Lord, their covenant Lord is with them. Teach them. 
to know Christ, to recognize the truth of Christ, to recognize the word of Christ, to distinguish from the voices of this world and the voice of truth. Lord, bless them. They've promised to do so. They said they'd do so this morning. We see what they're doing with their boys. And we pray, Father, that, that they'll continue to do this. And in fact, all of us as who have children in our home might, Father, take up this responsibility and this obligation even more faithfully. May we teach them to listen to the commander. Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and God's people say, amen.